Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Praise God. The book of John, chapter 6, reading with verse 53. Good morning, everybody, and Merry Christmas to you. Some, some uh, exciting outfits out there this morning. Your, uh, hopefully you'll take time and take some pictures with your family. I saw David Wallace. I said, I didn't know they made sweaters look like that. You can see later for yourself. Um, he's going to be the toy soldier that you'll want in all of your pictures out there. In the... He's not used to having any pictures taken, so be very careful. We love them. This is our Christmas communion service. And so we are so thankful that you are here. Um, Jesus said, as as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. I never want to forget what he's done for me. He's been good to me. Amen. Has he been good to you? Would you give, lay your Bibles down, clap your hands and shout to the Lord. Lift your voices. Hallelujah. So hopefully this week is full of fun and good memories, time together. And I pray that God, God blesses you. And uh, John 6, 53, it says, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh drinketh my blood hath eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day for my flesh is meat indeed and my blood is drink indeed he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him as a living father has sent me and I live by the father so he that eateth me even he shall live by me this is that bread which came down from everybody say heaven not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead he that eateth of this bread shall live forever these things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum many therefore of his disciples when they heard this said this is an hard saying who can hear it watch why because look when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at at it or his saying he said to them thus doth this offend you? Are you offended? What? And if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before, it is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. Verse 65 says, And he said, Therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time, many of the disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life read more verses than I usually read but I believe the context of this is 
to be misunderstood unless you understand his teaching. People un- misunderstand this. They misunderstood this verse the same way Nicodemus misunderstood when he said, you must be born again. And he said, am I going to have to go in my mother's womb and she give birth to me again? And he said, uh, he didn't understand it. Log- logical thinking compared to a spiritual parallel. He wasn't talking about physically eating his flesh. Physically drinking his own blood. He's talking about something more than that. What he was saying in context is this. You've got to get me on the inside of you. Be ye holy as I am holy. How many know he's Christ in us? The hope of glory. Would you clap your hands and thank God for his word? Amen. Come on, let's praise him. Jesus' name. You may be seated. Today, I'd like to talk to you today about bread from heaven. Bread from heaven. He stepped away from a congregation for about 10 days to lock himself in the office of his church to seek the Lord and to get a word from God. His name was G.T. Haywood. He was a pastor, a powerful preacher. And in his office, he did not eat. For 10 days seeking the Lord. After 10 days, it is told by people that were in that meeting that when he stepped out, his face did shine like a light. There was a literal fire. History study says that there was a fire that could be visibly seen up on top of the building because God had responded to this man's altar in Indianapolis, Indiana. He came out. When he approached the pulpit, this is what came out of his mouth at first. When gloom and sadness whisper, you've sinned, no use to pray. That's when I look to Jesus and He tells me to say, I see a crimson stream of blood. It flows from Calvary. It's waves which reach the throne of God are sweeping over me. What he saw in 10 days of fasting and prayer and seeking the Lord was there's enough blood to cover every sin of every sinner in the whole world. Aren't you glad that when you sin, you've got somebody to go to? When you make a mistake, you've got somebody to look to? When you understand communion or to understand the Last Supper, which was parallel to the feast of the Passover, you've got to understand what it's talking about receiving bread. When he said, this is, when he took bread and said, this is my body, and he break the bread, take and eat. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Take ye and drink ye all of it. To understand it, you have to understand the day that they were doing this. You've got to understand what was the Passover. And so you've got to go back to Exodus 12 and see that after 430 years of being in Egypt, Egypt was a type of sin. It was a parallel, symbolic to a sinful life, slave and bondage to, to something you can't get away from. 
But when God saw them in Egypt, he sent them a Moses. He sent them a preacher. Paul said in Romans, he said, how can you hear without a preacher? How can he preach except he be sent? And Moses came and preached a delivering message. You don't have to stay here. God's got something better prepared for you. There's a land that flows with milk and honey. Can you say amen? And God gave him a word. And I, I do want to say to everybody here that if your heart's not right with the Lord, it can be. If you're in bondage to sin right now, you don't have to be. There's one that can make a way where there seemeth to be no way. Amen. There's hope for every sinner. There's hope for every saint, every preacher's kid, everybody. How many know there's hope for you today? Praise God. When Jesus came to this earth, the angel declared, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. One thing Jesus brings, it doesn't matter how dark the hour, how low you are, when you get the good news of great tidings of good things that Jesus has come, he can pick you up out of every pit no matter how dark or deep it is and he can set your feet up on a rock and establish everything that's dysfunctional in your life. Somebody shout, he can fix it. Somebody shout again, he can fix it. Brother Nehemiah and I sing a song every now and then. I talked about it a little bit last, uh, uh, I think it was at a funeral a week or so ago, but Brother Nehemiah and I sing a song that old Brother Herb Turner used to sing. And it goes something like this. Trouble's in my way, Brother Nehemiah. Gotta cry sometime. Oh, so much trouble. Gotta cry sometime. Laid awake at night. Oh, but that's all right. I know that Jesus, he's going to fix it after a while. Jesus is going to fix it. Somebody shout, Jesus, he's going to fix it. Can I tell you today, he didn't go through everything at the cross for nothing. He didn't take 39 stripes on his back for nothing. He didn't allow him to drive nails in his hands and through his feet for nothing. He didn't allow a crown of thorns to be put on his head for nothing. He didn't allow himself to be mocked for nothing. Spit on his face, plucked his beard, shamed him even in front of his own mother. He didn't allow all of that to happen for nothing. He didn't die for nothing. He went through that so he could change your situation. That's why he went to Calvary so he could turn your situation around. Amen. Amen. I believe God can make all things new. I believe Jesus can fix what the doctors can't fix, what money can't fix, what the lawyer can't fix, and certainly what you cannot fix, what the counselors cannot fix. Jesus can fix it. As a boy, and I heard somebody on the radio say, Sister Hodge, they said this to all of you that are in radio land who are saved and don't know it. I thought, how can you be saved and not know it? Down in the South, we sing Southern gospel music. Very few of you here, but Southern gospel music, there's a song that goes something like this. It said, I was there when it happened, and I guess I ought to know. I was there when Jesus saved me, the very moment that he forgave me. How many know he can change your life? My dad, I was talking to my dad this morning, had a story on my mind, and I called him, and uh, and I was getting ready to talk about it. He said, man, I had a dream about your grandmother last night. And I, when he said that, he said, I could see her and, 
And he told me the story, the dream. He said, I could see her. My grandmother was always well put together. And she had enough hairspray. Her hairdo would last for a whole week. My, my mother would go fix her hair every single Saturday. And uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was almost like the Lord. It was the same yesterday, today, and forever. Her hair, big white hair. And, and I, I miss seeing her. She was a great lady. And he was telling me about the dream that he had about her. How he saw her and the blouse she was wearing, the small brown purse she was carrying. I wish I could have a dream about her. I miss her dearly. I'll never forget, though, that, that my grandmother, when she'd get up and sing in church, she would sing a song that went something like this. She would sing, He touched me. Oh, He touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened. And now I know He touched me. And made me whole. And I feel like in this service today, what this service is about is never forgetting the moment he changed your life. I, driving down the road with my wife, we were not married that long, evangelizing, and I preached about it before, but I, I'll never forget that that day I had, my, my mind is sometimes a little slow to the conversation, you know. I, I can leave the heat on too long. I can leave the air conditioner on too long, and I can leave the windshield wipers on too long. Uh, Brother Archer, the, the, the windshield wiper is going, <laughs> I hadn't changed them like I should have. And finally, my wife leans over. She said, would you please turn off the windshield wipers? It's driving me crazy. Just <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I don't know why I said it. It came to my, out of my mouth before my mind could block it, you know. And I said, well, you just get used to it like everything else. You know, I don't remember what happened after that. I'm not, I'm not sure. Everything went dark in a moment, a twinkling of an eye. And you know, there's an element of truth to that. You can get used to things. I mean, oh, I, I grew up in a house that, I don't know what the easement was, but it was very close. My bedroom wall and that old schoolhouse building, my dad built an apartment in to start an old start a church in and my bedroom was approximately 25 feet from the train track and uh, I'll never forget laying there in bed and the train would come through and you could feel the train it felt like many times I'd come up out of that bed thinking the train was coming through my bedroom wall my brother later told me that when he worked at the coal mines and met the engineers of the train found out that they would blow that horn on purpose through that small little West Virginia town waking everybody up at 1 a.m. Amen. The Lord's going to get them messing with that preacher's family. Amen. And I'll never get times I'd wake up shaking like this, thinking the train literally was coming through my wall at 12, 13 years old. And, uh, you know, I got used to it, though. Then I'd have some buddies stand all night, and they'd come through, and my buddy would jump out of bed. Ah! And I'd just sleep right through it because you get used to things. It's true, isn't it? You can get used to the person beside you, too. You can get used to that child the Lord gave you. You can get used to that spouse God gave you. You can, you can even get used to the salvation that God gave you. You can get used to it. The Word doesn't mean to you right now what it used to be. You got saved. You wanted everybody to know it. You got delivered of this or that. You wanted everybody to know it. You got baptized. You couldn't wait to tell somebody. Little Lincoln coming down the hall. He, he received the Holy Ghost on Sunday night. 
He received the Holy Ghost. He's told everybody. Amen. Amen. I can almost hear Sister Tiffany saying he needed it. Amen. But he received the Holy Ghost and he was telling everybody, I got the Holy Ghost. He told, he's told me so many times, every time I say, he said, I got the Holy Ghost, Pastor. I said, yeah. He said, I'm getting baptized. Oh, we're so excited. I'm going to get baptized today. I'm thrilled about that. I really am. I remember watching people, young children, receive the Holy Ghost and God's Spirit coming. They pray in another language, God. And you know what? They'd say, can I call grandma? Can I call my dad at youth camps or whatever? I need to call somebody. If we're not careful, the gift that is so amazing, we'll become so used to it. The presence of God, the glory of God, until you got saints in the church that used to come to church and weep and cry, magnify the Lord and thank him for his goodness. They'll see somebody with their hands raised, somebody weeping, maybe somebody rejoicing. I wonder what they're so excited about. I wonder what they're crying about. Been in the church 25, 30, 40 years and you're looking at somebody new in the church. Oh, I wonder what they're so emotional about and forget that you used to be as grateful as they are. Hey, it doesn't, it doesn't bother you. It doesn't stir you. I'm going to tell you something that moves me is when a preacher can preach in conviction and not bother me anymore. Some of the scariest things I've ever heard was somebody said, the preaching doesn't phase me anymore. You know why? Because if you don't respond to what is important, you'll eventually get used to it and it won't phase you like you used to. That's why the commandment was, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good. Come on, I don't want to get my eyes on this world. I want to get my eyes on the Savior. He's been good to me. He's been good to me. Would you clap your hands and praise him? Jesus references this time when he teaches as often as you take communion. Do it in remembrance. The goal is not just to fulfill a religious method. The goal of communion is to remain thankful. Everybody say amen. It's to remain grateful. And so it's built upon Exodus 12 when the Bible says, and the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. Everybody shout the beginning. It shall be the first month of the year to you. He said your fiscal year, your year date is about to change. It's not just gonna be January to December. When you take this Passover feast, that's going to be your beginning because it's going to be a new start of deliverance for you. Amen. Your birth date, mine is July the 30th, 1978. But you know what? My new date was February the 22nd, 1987 because it was one way up to that moment, but it became a new beginning when I was born again. And that's what he's saying. Your year to year has been this way. But you're about to come out of bondage and you're going to celebrate the beginning of a new start, a new day, a new way when this happens. That's why we're here. That's why we keep coming. Because you were in Egypt, but you're not any longer. You were in sin, but you're no longer in sin. You were, life was a mess, but it's no longer a mess. He brought me out. Amen. He put me in a new place. Your journey starts when? He said, this is what I want you to do. Everybody shout, it's gonna be the beginning. Everybody needs a new beginning. All have sinned. Everybody needs a new start. And the new beginning, amen. The Bible says it would begin, Jesus said it's gonna begin at Jerusalem. There was, there was dispensations, but at Jerusalem something happened. How many know when Calvary 
happened. Jesus died. It divided time. It's no longer, it's no longer BC, but it becomes AD. Because when Jesus dies, it changes absolutely everything. Somebody shout everything from here on. You'll find, he said, it's gonna be a beginning to you. Go to Jerusalem until you're, you be endued with power from high. It's going to be a beginning. I know who I'm preaching to right now. I'm preaching to every single one of you that there was something in your life you needed to come out of so you could have a brand new day. Everybody shout, a beginning. I mean, remember your new beginning. Amen, I'm glad he gave me a new beginning. He speaks this because 430 years in Egypt and this is how it unfolds. He said, it's gonna be a beginning to you. Exodus 12 and three reads, speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, in the 10th day of this month, they shall take them every man, what? Everybody say, a lamb. They shall take a lamb. And it says, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the house shall be too little for what? Everybody say the lamb. Let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for. Everybody shout the lamb. But verse five takes it personal and says, your lamb shall be without blemish. It's interesting that he's not just a God. He's not just the God. He's my God. He's not just a lamb. He's not only the lamb. He becomes my lamb. And some people only know God as a God. Some know him as the God. But the goal of Calvary is that he becomes your God. Your Savior. I feel like preaching on this Sunday morning. He never intended just to be one of many. He never even intended just to be the only one. He wants to come down in your world and be your Savior, your deliverer, your healer, your forgiver, your redeemer. The Bible says the Lord is my light and he is my salvation. Psalms 23, the psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd. Today, he might be a family member's God. He might be somebody else's savior. He might be your pastor's savior. But before you leave this room, he can be your savior. He can be your God. Can you clap your hands and praise him? Now watch. Everybody say he's personable. Do you believe that? and ye shall keep it up. The Bible says your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. Ye shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening, what? Everybody say the lamb. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. They shall eat the flesh in that night. Remember he said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood. They shall eat the flesh, and, uh, and, and it says, in that night, roast with fire, unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden all with water, but roast with fire his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And it says, and you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And, the, and verse 12 says, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn. Everybody say judgment. 
both man and beast and, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Verse 13, I love this verse. I sang about it a minute ago. It says, and the blood shall be to you for a what? Token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, everybody shout, when he sees the blood, he said, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. He said, I'm going to come and destroy the place that's destroying you. He said, but to be protected from that judgment. He said, this is what you've got to do. You've got to take your lamb. You've got to take your lamb and kill the lamb. Take the blood of the lamb. And the hyssop was a brush, a bowl of blood. They would dip the blood from that unblemished lamb. They would paint the doorpost of the house they were in. And they would stay inside of that. They didn't put it on the floor, just on the doorpost and on the mantle that was there. Once they put that in, they would take the flesh. I don't personally like to eat lamb, but a lot of people do. But that night, everybody had to eat the lamb. They would take the lamb and they would cook it and they would eat it. And he said, eat all of it. Eat all of it. And they would consume the lamb. If the lamb was too big for a household, then you'd ask your neighbors to come over so the lamb would not be wasted. Because it's for everybody. He said, eat it all. You got to make sure you get all of the lamb where? See, it's not good enough for the lamb to die for you. The lamb is to get in you. That's, that's, that's the parallel. He said, the blood's got to be applied and you've got to stay inside the blood. That's the problem with some people. They, they come to the Lord, they repent. Like in Acts 38, they repent. They're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. They're filled with the Spirit. And then they walk outside the blood and start living lives that God doesn't, God doesn't allow. They walk outside of it, go do their own thing and live their own life. He said, once the blood is applied, you got to stay inside. Amen. you got to stay inside the blood. Righteousness is what we do. When he was saying, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, he wasn't just talking about communion. He wasn't talking about physically eating the flesh of his body. He, he, was, he was talking about, get me on the inside of you. That's what he's saying. I want to read a verse for you today. And somebody say, on the inside. I'm going to look at your neighbor and say, you need to get Jesus on the inside. Praise God. The Bible says... The Bible says in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says in verse 21, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not but committed himself to him that judge judgeth righteously. What that means is when he was done wrong, he looked to the righteous judge to make his decisions, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness. The goal of Calvary was not to be saved from hell, but to be saved from sin. Saved from family traditions. Saved from family ways of life. Saved from family conversations. Saved from sinful things. Under what? A life like Christ. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. 
What it is saying this, it wasn't good enough. Wasn't good enough that he died for you. You've got to apply his blood to your life. And then you've got to get him on the inside of your life. And then you've got to start walking the way he walked and live the way he lived. You know what's so powerful about Christ? The Bible says when he came to the earth, he was the word manifest in the flesh. John 1, 14. Everybody say the word manifest in the flesh. It goes on to say that he is Emmanuel being interpreted, which is what? God with us. And Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's talking about heaven and place prepared for you and there's something better prepared. And when he says this, Philip says to him, show us the Father and it'll suffice to satisfy. He said, have I been so long time with you, Philip, and thou hast not known me? He that has seen me hath seen the Father. When Jesus steps on the earth in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it wasn't just to take loaves and fishes and feed the 5,000. It wasn't just to open up the blinded eye. That was just the nature of his being is to help hurting people. The goal of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what we know is the gospel, is to watch how he lives, how he walks, how he responds, how he acts, how he prays. He was our example by the steps he took. He is our example. And if he wouldn't do it, we shouldn't do it. If he wouldn't treat people that way, we shouldn't treat people that way. If he wouldn't partake of it, we shouldn't partake of it. That's what communion is about, is I'm gonna get him on the inside so I can reflect him on the outside. That when you see me, I'm gonna walk the way he walked, live the way he lived, act the way. He said, be ye holy as I am holy. Clap your hands and praise him for his word. You say, Pastor Bounds, you mean to tell me you can be like Christ? You want to be like Christ? Absolutely. How do we do it? By grace. When someone is saved, is transformed, converted, it's like a caterpillar going into a cocoon and coming out a butterfly. You're different now. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to be different. Amen. I may believe that. That's the hope. I don't have to remain a sinner. I don't have to remain in Egypt. And so they did. They put the blood on the doorpost. They ate the lamb. When they ate the lamb, everybody say all of it. Some people want some of God, but not all of God. Some people want some of the word, but not all of the word. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceedeth out of the mouth of God. If it's in the book, I want it in here. I have my prayer. And the Cody, if you'll bring me, bring me some bread. But my prayer recently has, has been this. And uh, maybe the Lord's dealing with you the way is me. But the old times will say something like this. He's walking up and down the avenues of my soul. How many ever heard that terminology? He's walking up and down the avenue. There's songs about it. God, I've, I've told the Lord. There's another verse that says, search me. Everybody say, search me. Communion is that. Communion is not just fulfilling an obligation. Communion is a searching. Am I holy as he is holy? Am I forgiven? Am I doing what I should? It's a communal gathering of, am I right with my brother? Am I right with God? And I, I say this to you out of a transparent heart, but I don't want anything in my life that's not right with God. 
And I've told the Lord, Lord, walk up and down the hallways of my heart. Walk up and down my mind and my spirit. Open every door, every closet. Is there anything in there that's not pleasing to you? I called my dad. I had something on my mind this morning because I don't want any offense in my heart. I don't want any sin in my life. I don't, I don't want, the Bible says, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life cause Adam and Eve to sin. I, I don't want that in my life. I mean, every week, you got to make it right. Paul said, I die daily. What does that mean? I'm dying out to anything that's not like God. The goal of going to church is not missing hell. It's to be like Jesus. I'm going to say it again. This is not about escaping hell. Might be for a moment. This is about being like Jesus. That's why the Bible calls us sons of God. Everybody say a son. So this morning I woke up and I called my dad because I had something on my, a story on my mind I hadn't thought of in years. And I, I, called, I called dad and I said, uh, I remember you wrote a letter to a man one time and, and uh, right before he died. I said, what, what, what was that story? It randomly came to me. He said, yeah, I did. He said, I think it's when we lived in Virginia or North Carolina. I don't remember. We were away. But uh, he said, uh, Sanford, Sanford Powers was uh, a good man. He said, and I hurt his feelings one time. I didn't mean to. And uh, he said, I'd said something in the pulpit. Never meant to hurt his feelings, but I had hurt his feelings. He said, he was a very, very good man. He said, uh, so I, uh, I had him on my mind. I'd heard he got sick. But he said, I sat down, I wrote him a letter. Told him how much I loved him, appreciated him, and that I'd see him in the rapture. He said, I later found out that when he received the letter in the mail, he sat down in his chair, he read the letter, he cried. And right after he read the letter and cried, he passed away. And uh, a tear is still in his eyes. And I thought to myself that if it was me, I, I wouldn't want somebody passing away that had ought against me. I, I wouldn't want to pass away having ought toward anything or anybody. Because Jesus, not only did he take a crown of thorns on his head and nails in his feet, nails in his hands and feet, all the stuff he went through, but he said, Lord, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was, my dad was soul searching somehow and the quickening of his spirit was able to make some level of amends that maybe isn't a big deal to you, but it was a big deal to him. And I'm sure it was a big deal to his brother. Communion is that way because even with communion, there was a moment of washing each other's feet and uh, making sure that we're servants one to another. Living for God is not about me. It's about Him. I know this is a sobering message today, but it should have been me nailed to the cross. They could not have gotten out of Egypt if the Lamb did not die. Neither could you get out of sin if the Lamb did not die. This year we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Christ's coming. There's manger scenes everywhere. And they should be. But I say to you that he did not come just because. He told Mary, he said, you're going to conceive, you're going to bring for the son, you're going to call his name Jesus, and he's going to save his people from their sin. Everybody say, my sin. He's going to save us from our sin. When he was 30 years old to enter in his ministry, John the Baptist declared him, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. So you might have come in here today with a stained garment. Stains Christmas sweater, if you will. Come in here today with sins and mistakes in your life. You've wondered, how can I get up 
and go on. I'm going to tell you how. Because he died for you the same way he did me. You don't have to walk out of here unforgiven. You don't have to walk out of here the same way you came in here. You're going through an issue of life, there's a God that can turn it completely around. If you believe it, would you praise him right now with me? And so the feast of the Passover, as I come to a close, the feast of the Passover was like that. That every year, every year, the commandment was that for seven days during the week of the Passover, they wouldn't allow any leaven in their house at all. No leaven, because leaven was symbolic to sin. But they would take, they would only eat unleavened bread. Bread or life without sin. The bread represented what? An unblemished lamb. So for one week every year, the Jews, the week of the Passover for seven days, they would only eat bread with no leaven in it. So when Jesus sat down at the Last Supper, this is what he did. He sat down with his 12 disciples and he said, this is my body. They break it. He break the bread. He handed the bread that he was breaking. He said, this is my body. He said, take and eat. He said, what he was doing was saying, I'm the lamb. And I'm going to be broken for you. This is my body. It moves me because he knew exactly what he was getting into. And yet, he chose to go through with it. Hebrews 12 says he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. He despised the shame. So you, Sister Julie, can have a turnaround in your life. So you, Sister Hodge, would have hope in your future. So all of us in this room could be changed. And he knew that as breaking the bread, so his body would be brutally beaten and broken. So we didn't have to continue to live. Continue to live. In togetherness. Because he was going to be broken. That's why we go to church. We're not here to celebrate something 2,000 years ago only. This is not just a history lesson. This is what he brings to life in your life. He put your mess together because he was broken. Amen. You can live because he died. You can get up because he was buried. I mean, no, that's the hope of this. You can be healed because he was beaten by his stripes. We are healed. Amen. Praise God. And this is, if we're not careful, we'll go to church and just go through the formality of it and not think what it's all about. And in church, people get excited. You might see somebody out in the aisle dancing, but it's biblical. You might see me jumping up and down in church. I was born with crippled feet. Amen. God healed me. I was, uh, uh, they were going to amputate my foot, possibly when I was 12 years old because of Stepped on two nails, said I'd never run another day in my life, but I don't have any pain. So every now and then I come to church and I leap on my feet and say, if it hadn't been for God that healed me, I would, 
I don't want to ever become ungrateful for his mercy, grateful for his healing, grateful for his salvation, and grateful for Calvary. Amen. Sometimes I do nothing in the church except lift my hands and tears dripping off my chin because I've got a grateful heart. But if we're not careful, listen, I'm emotional. All you Buckeye fans are emotional. You know it. You can get excited over football. I can get excited over salvation. Let there be an amen. He said, this is my body. Would you bring me more bread? And he break it. He said, take and eat. How, what was he talking about? You've got to get my life on the inside of you. This is not about living for me. This is living with me. Some people do stuff for God and never walk with God. Some people know more about church business than they do God's business. Come on now, I'm preaching to you. They know more, know, know more about church structure than they do actually relationship with God. But it was never the will of God just to go to church. It's to be the church. It's to walk like he walks, live like he lives, become his body. Can you say amen? How many believe now we are the body of Christ? Let's all stand. I want to be holy. I want conviction to be in my life. I don't want to get used to who he is. I'm going to want to be right with God. The Bible says lift your heart with your hands. Would you do that right now? Lift your hands to the Lord and say, God, I, I want you to make me better. He said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you shall not have eternal life. He's saying you got to get me on the inside. Don't leave me on the cross. Don't leave me in the tomb. Don't leave me at the Mount of Olives. Don't leave me in heaven. Get me on the inside. I'll be in you and you'll be in me, he said. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, we pray. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.